Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, Swam Loom. I'm speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors took down the Detroit Pistons by a score of 125-113 to on Wednesday night at Scotiabank Arena. The main storyline heading into this game was that uh, Nick Nurse and Dwayne Casey, the sort of unspoken frostiness between the two sides. You know, Nick and Dwayne used to be good friends. They had worked together, obviously, Nick as the lead assistant under Dwayne Casey for many years as the Raptors sort of steadily climbed their way up the standings in the Eastern Conference, but obviously, um, you know, last summer, uh, the Raptors decided to part ways with Dwayne Casey after getting swept like three times out of four years, uh, and Nick Nurse succeeded him, and, you know, it's not hard to sort of figure out that something might have happened because um, Dwayne never really uh, took to Nick in that way. He never really tried to give credit to him. But, you know, today, I think both men kind of buried the hatchet. You know, there wasn't really a lot of frostiness, even though both both coaches were sort of given opportunity to speak on the other person, um, but both of them sort of resisted. You know, Nick sort of talked about how Dwayne is one of the most respected coaches in the league, and, you know, he learned a lot about sort of how he had to prepare and sort of the seriousness and the grind of the basketball, uh, you know, that comes with playing in the NBA and sort of the the, the importance of, you know, uh, approaching every game with sort of meticulous detail and game prep and things like this. And Dwayne Casey, uh, it's not a lot, but he did say – you know, at shoot around before this game that Nick did a good job of bringing it home with the group last year to win the championship. And that might seem really tepid to you, but honestly, if you go back and read all the other things that uh, Dwayne has ever said about the Raptors, uh, he obviously, he just, there's a notable omission in terms of nurse. So, you know, there was a lot of talk about that before the game, but honestly, it wasn't really about that. I mean, you know, I, I think both men sort of sort of took the high road here, and really this time Dwayne I think actually took the high road because he actually mentioned Nick by name and sort of praised him. And uh, you know when the game was over, 
Uh, Nick sort of hung, hung around, you know, Nick and the coaching staff uh, exchanged ways with Dwayne, who at first he was really sullen. Obviously, the Pistons had lost, and he wasn't very happy. Uh, he had his arms crossed, and he was just staring at the game. But, um, you know, eventually he looked over, and he exchanged ways back, and, you know, off they went. The story is kind of over. You know, Nick versus Dwayne, whatever. Nick finally gets the win after four tries. Um, and, yeah, so on to the game itself. So the Raptors, I mean – this was a this was a cakewalk, honestly. The Pistons don't have a lot of talent. Now, granted, the Pistons had been playing pretty good basketball coming into this game, considering that, you know, they did defeat um, the Indiana Pacers twice, and I watched both those games. Um, they executed really well. I thought Derrick Rose played really well in those games. I thought Andre Drummond really had his way with the Pacers' front court. And the Pacers start two centers, so it's really hard to... Um, at least theoretically, you would think that those two guys would give Drummond a bit of an issue, but Drummond kind of bullied both Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis, but not the case tonight. The Raptors, honestly, they just looked so much more talented than the Pistons. It wasn't really that funny. Like, the first half, the Raptors came out scorching, you know, scored 64 points in the first half. Raptors kind of got whatever they wanted on offense, and um, the Pistons sort of hung around a little bit. I think the Raptors didn't really uh, play too hard in terms of defensively. It didn't really seem necessary. And when the third quarter came around, the Raptors really turned it on, really kicked into the high gear, Pascal Siakam in the third quarter, having 19 points in the third quarter as part of a 37-27 to 27 quarter for the Raptors. And that basically put them away, which is sort of how you treat, you know, these garbage teams, right? Like, you um, entertain them for the first half, you know, you keep it close, you keep it steady, um, you know, you don't really overexert yourself. And then when it comes time to actually win the game, you turn it on in the third quarter, you establish yourself as clearly inferior, you get a 20-point lead, and you just cruise through the fourth quarter. And the Pistons made a couple of threes, whatever, some some free throws, but for the most part, the game was never really in doubt. The Raptors were always going to take this one. And they're just so much more talented than the Pistons, who, I mean, like, you know, honestly, like, without Blake Griffin, there's just not a guy on that team that can create shots. Like, in the first half, their offense is getting carried by Markeith Morris, like the corpse of Markeith Morris. Like, we saw in the Wizards series how washed up Markeith Morris is at this point in his career. Um, you know, at the rest of the starting lineup, we're thinking about guys like Luke Kennard, one of six from the field, Tony Snell, two of seven. I mean, the days of him being a Raptor killer are kind of over. Uh, Tim Frazier, I, I, you know, I couldn't believe he's back in the league a little bit. I mean, he sort of uh, bounced around, good for him. But I mean, wow, I mean, three of eight as a starting point guard. And they're really looking at guys like Derrick Rose to sort of deliver for them. And Derrick Rose really did step up. I mean, he had 16 points, 10 assists in 21 minutes. This is about as much as you can ask uh, Derrick Rose to do for you right now. But, I mean, like, man, uh, there's just not a lot going on with the Pistons. And so the Raptors, you know, easily outclassed them. And I thought in a game like this, most of the Raptors look really good. Uh, I thought every Raptor that played was positive. Um, And in terms of the rotation, we're looking at the same sort of top eight guys played. Um, Mark had a really quiet night with 15 minutes, and he sort of uh, had foul trouble a little bit. But honestly, like, the game was so out of hand in the fourth quarter. Like, Gasol didn't even need to come back in. And Serge was also balling. So, you know, Serge got the line share of minutes with 32 to Gasol's uh, 15. But for the most part, everybody that came in played well. The top eight guys, you know, the eighth guy being Makai, even he delivered some positive contributions with his five points and his defense. Now, at first... He was doing a terrible job of guarding Derrick Rose. Like, the, the idea is to go under on screens, force him to shoot. Uh, but, you know, instead, Derrick Rose is able to get into the lane for those little floaters and push shots that he's really good at. Uh, so, McCaw didn't do well there, but he really studied himself defensively as the game went on and became a really positive contributor. 
And, you know, just everybody looked really good. And the guy who looked the best was Pascal Siakam, who had 30 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals in just 30 minutes, only played 3 quarters, didn't have to come in the 4th quarter. This man was cooking. And you know what I mean? Like, 30 points is not necessarily 30 points. Like, not all 30-point performances are created equal. You know, like, Andre Drummond can give you a 30-point game. You're like, oh, wow, you know, he must have had a lot of putbacks that game, Um, you know. You know, or like a shooter can have 30 points because, like, I don't know, Wes Matthews uh, slips free and he hits a bunch of threes and whatever. No, this 30-point game from Pascal Siakam was just such an impressive display of his skills. I mean, we're talking about pull-up threes, two pull-up threes tonight, three threes from Pascal tonight uh, on the whole three of six from the field. We're talking about putting guys like Thon Maker on skates. Now, whatever, it's Thon Maker. But still, we're putting guys on skates uh, you know, Pascal won- at some point in the fourth quarter, in the third quarter, there got Andre Drummond to sort of drop on the floor, uh, <laughs> and and Drummond ended up committing the foul. Pascal was about to pull up, but then you know he got fouled. But uh, you know he put Drummond on the ground. Uh, I mean the post fadeaways. I mean um, you know the Pistons try to put length on him with Christian Wood or whatever, and 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 Pascal. I mean he got out to honestly a little bit of a slow start. Um, you know wasn't really defending really well too much. Honestly, he wasn't that attentive. But at the end of the first quarter, the Pistons put on Christian Wood uh, and Pascal just torched them. You know, like they hit him with the turnaround fadeaway, which is really nice to see. Um, you know, that's something that he's been working on. And it hasn't necessarily translated to games uh, just yet. But, you know, we saw it there. Very smooth, very effortless. The way he was crossing people over. It, it was just a gorgeous, gorgeous performance. And even early in the game when Pascal was receiving extra attention, he had four assists in the first quarter. Just sort of laying it off to different guys, whether that was OG cutting the lane, whether that was feeding, you know, guys like Kyle Lowry or, or, or Fred Van Vliet. You know, Pascal just played a such a beautiful, beautiful game. And he played and he showed the skills of a superstar. I mean, at one point, this shot didn't even count, even though it should have. But Pascal was getting fouled driving baseline, and he had Drummond on him. And Pascal, on the same baseline, on the same side of the floor as where Kawhi hit his shot um, over Joel Embiid, Pascal literally hit that fadeaway with the center over him. And it's like, you know, if that doesn't illustrate to you that Pascal is now taking a leap to become a superstar, I don't know what will. I mean, Pascal start the season has been incredible. When you look at the first uh, five games from Pascal, obviously it's just five games, but um, first game you give he gives you thirty four points, five assists, eight re- eighteen rebounds. Second game thirty three points, two assists, eight rebounds. Third game nineteen points, four assists, six rebounds. Then twenty four points, three assists, nine rebounds, and thirty points, five assists, five rebounds in just three quarters. Um, I mean, man, Pascal is just, he's killing it right now. He's been so impressive. And what really stood out to me was that, you know, the play in the playbook in terms of how to guard Pascal, at least for coming out of the playoffs, was that you put a bigger guy on him, you put length on him, and you try to, you know, counter his sort of post-ups with the size. You get the, the big man to drop back into the paint. You force him to shoot, and you see if he can make it. And, and a lot of times against the Bucks or against the Sixers, Pascal just wasn't making that shot. Well, guess what, man? I mean, Dwayne Casey tried that today with Andre Drummond, you know, with Christian Wood, with Thon Maker, uh, trying to guard Pascal, and Pascal just torched him. Like, that same strategy. You know, Pascal gets the, the ball in the third quarter there. Uh, he has Drummond on him. Drummond sort of takes a step back to guard the paint. Drummond, by the way, tonight was just horrendous defensively. Um, but, I mean, yeah, Drummond takes a step back, and Pascal just looks at him and is like, are you serious? And he just, like, literally pulls up for three, switches it, cash. 
You know what I mean? Um, you know, he puts the, they put Maker on him. He just drives and, and really uses a handle to sort of put Maker out of position before finishing in the paint and one, things like this. Christian Wood, you know, he turned, hit him with the turnaround fadeaway. I mean, you cannot just stash a center on Pascal anymore. He's so skilled. His face-up game is night and day as compared to where it was before. So um, that's really encouraging. And, and again, you know, really, there is no game plan anymore to guard Pascal one-on-one. There just isn't, uh, unless you have, like, if the very, very best. Even we saw, like, Jonathan Isaac, which is as good as it gets in terms of perimeter um, defenders out there. He's seven feet tall. He's long. He's quick. Uh, he's strong. Uh, you know, we've we seen him frustrate pa- Pascal in the past. And even in that game, Pascal still took it to him, gave him 24 points. It was efficient in that. There is just no more defense that you can really do. There's no more gimmick. You can put a center on him. That doesn't work anymore. Pascal is unguardable one-on-one. And that's really the sign of a superstar. That team's, like, literally the only thing you can do against him is double team. And he's a good passer. He's a willing passer. You know, I've talked about his sort of his struggles with double teams and things like this. But, I mean, like, you know, as the game goes on, like, um, he's going to develop. He's going to get more reps. And, again, he has the vision. He has the willingness to make plays. And he has guys who can knock, knock it down around him. Pascal is a superstar. Pascal is a superstar. I mean, he has been one of the best players in the uh, out of the entire NBA so far. And I'm so impressed. And I'm so impressed. And, again, if you have a chance to go watch the highlights, you know, whether that's, like, Free Dawkins or House of Highlights or whoever you're getting your highlights from on YouTube, go back and make sure you do yourself a favor and go watch this performance of Pascal Siakam. You will see so many new skills in his game. Uh, it is so impressive to watch uh, Pascal do his thing. Uh, I also really wanted to highlight Kyle Lowry, who, I mean, he's been stellar. He's, he's had 20 or more points in four of his first five games. Tonight, 20 points, five rebounds, eight assists, two steals. 38 minutes is a little high, but I, I you know it was a little strange that Nick kept in the game, but uh, Kyle was pretty smart about it. He wasn't really driving in, looking for contact. He wasn't taking charges, things like that. He was just taking it easy, sort of making sure the game was coming closed properly, and he did that. So I'm not as worried about the 38 minutes, even though he looks a little jarring in a, in a blowout. I don't know why you would play Kyle that many minutes, but... Having said that, Kyle has been phenomenal to start the year. Um, the way he's driving to the basket is, is really, really good. I mean, the the, the burst uh, seems to be back with him in, in terms of, you know, I think last year he was really hampered with that back injury and a couple other injuries. And Kyle just wasn't um, as effective going to the rim. It's sort of not not that it disappeared from his game because obviously we saw it in the, in the finals, but it just wasn't featured as part of his game for extended stretches. But today... And in, in, in previous games this season, in all five games this season, Kyle has made a really, really concerted effort to get back to the basket. And um, it's paying off. I mean, you know, the Pistons actually have a couple of decent perimeter defenders. Like, I thought, you know, guys like uh, Bruce Brown or whatever, like, they're actually not bad in terms of defense. But Kyle was just, I don't know, turning the corner, going to the rim. It was really funny watching Andre Drummond just not protect the basket whatsoever. I mean, a guy like that, you know, six foot ten. Super athletic, uh, incredible, you know, athlete. Like I don't know why he wouldn't try to at least block a couple of these shots. But Kyle was just going to the lay- going to the rim for layups. It shows sort of the um, alertness in his game that he is able to read the game and sort of outsmart his opponents. Uh, he's been great in scoring in transition, pushing the pace in transition, um, and just solid man. I mean, look, this these are prime Kyle Lowry numbers. You know, after last year, obviously Kawhi came here. Kyle had to take a step back, you know, Pascal emerged. Kyle was basically the third option. Um, and now he's back to being the second option, and he looks great. Like, if, you know, 20 points, five rebounds, eight assists, two steals, like on 7-13 shooting with two threes, 
that's prime Kyle Lowry, and he's prime Kyle Lowry is here to stay. I mean, like you know, everyone keeps sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop. I, I know I certainly am with Kyle. Not not that I doubt him. It's just that the track record with Kyle sort of sustaining himself after a hot start isn't necessarily great. But like I don't know, there's not that much really to doubt it. Really, it's just people are just doubting it to doubt it um, because Kyle looks so good. But you know. That, that again, I think that's the wrong way to look at it. The way to look at it is Kyle is really, especially after coming into camp not 100% in shape, as sort of he admitted in terms of his, you know, hand surgery and everything like that, he's been excellent. He has been excellent. You know, it's all the same plays that Kyle used to run in terms of, you know, you got one guy on one side of the floor, you got Kyle running uh, across two uh, down screens and then coming up, to moving towards his left, pulling up for three, like all your Kyle classics. It's it's, it's all back, and it's, it's great to see Kyle um, – play with this time of longevity it's really age defying in terms of the way he's playing um i thought fred was great today uh 13 points 11 assists the best part about fred's game today i mean first off the 11 assists is very impressive it's probably close to a career high if it's not outright a career high for fred but 11 assists to only one turnover this is a jose calderon type of performance from fred van Vliet. jose calderon with defense which actually would be a really good player um but, yeah, I mean, 13 points, 11 assists, you know, played within the flow of the offense. Kyle was really the hot hand tonight, so Fred was able to sort of play the one where Kyle sort of played more of the two offensively. Uh, Fred, obviously, you know, knocked down his fair share of shots. You know, he's also going to the basket. He's finishing. Thank you once again to Andre Drummond for just refusing to play. He's honestly like a DeAndre Jordan out there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's just trying to get rebounds. He's trying to pad his stats. He look, he's like, wow, what a monster game. 21 points, 22 rebounds. Well, you know, the more important to that is that he was a minus 22 as well. Like, he's just not, was not very good. But, um, Fred was really good in terms of just chipping in on defense, you know, finding the opportunities to score on offense. But more than anything else, it's just a distribution. I mean, as a whole, the Raptors had 30 assists. They worked really well in tandem. And and the guy who led the team in assists was Fred, who had 11. And, and when you get 19 assists out of your starting backcourt, that's excellent. That's excellent. And um, I thought Fred was able to really let his teammates shine today. You know, he fed OG and Pascal. In transition, Fred actually worked a couple of pick and rolls with Serge Ibaka. That's really turned out to be a more fruitful connection this season. Last year, when they came off the bench, Fred and Serge, they were just always getting in each other's way. They just weren't successful. Um, and this year, it really does feel like there's a better sense of where each other are. I mean, like, it's not hard to play with Serge. Serge is going to be in specific spots, and if you deliver the ball to him in his hands, and when he's at the specific spot, which is basically in the mid-range, he's going to drain the jumper. And it's not too hard to play with Serge, but um, it's nice to see that Fred has found a rhythm with Serge. Uh, if they ever do change the starting lineup where Fred is sort of back to the second unit with Serge, I can see that working as well. Uh, and again, I just want to praise Fred for the decision making. Like 11 assists to just one turnover is excellent, excellent decision making. So I love what I'm seeing from Fred to start the season. Um, OG, same, same deal. It's actually kind of scary watching OG play defense. It's almost like. Okay, you know what? I'm going to avoid the Kawhi comparison because I've already said that that's, you know, putting too much pressure on the guy. But, like, it's Ron Artest-like. You know what I mean? Like, whenever I watched Ron Artest defend on the perimeter, especially in his younger days um, with the Indiana Pacers, because I actually used to be a really big fan of Jermaine O'Neal for, no, for some reason, and, and, and the two of them overlapped a little bit. Um, and also, you know, I was a big Yao Ming fan, uh, naturally. You know what I mean? 
Uh, and yeah, and so Ron Artest, I've seen a lot of Ron Artest's career. And Ron Artest, the way he played defense on the perimeter, it was almost scary because the guy is so strong. He's such a tank, just the same way that OG is. His wingspan so long, and he just gets into you physically, and he kind of just dominates you. Like he just says, "You're not moving on this side of the floor. You're not moving me at all. I'm gonna force you to one side of the floor." And then when they dig into you with their long arms and the way they swipe, I mean, it's like legitimately hard for guys to even just dribble and 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 just like execute basic things. Like, we saw it against the Magic where OG sort of just stripped Al Farouk Camino a couple times. Um, we seen it today, for example, with against Luke Kennard. Like, OG's just, like, basically towers over you. And you're kind of just stuck. Like, unless you're an elite ball um, ball handler, like, you just can't really do anything. And you kind of just forced to reset. Like, the number of times I saw, like, you know, Luke Kennard just sort of just had to give up the dribble and just so like, you know what, I'm not in this play because I'm getting guarded by OG today. Uh, it was just it was uh, really impressive, and of course OG also gives you other things like his finishing and transition has been really good. Um, I also like the strength in terms of the way he was finishing. One pass he had where he was fed on the baseline, but not really close enough to the paint. But OG sort of just gathered the ball and like literally just um, used his strength to sort of jump backwards into the defender to sort of neutralize him, overpower him, and then still go up and finish strong with the layup and convert it. Um, OG has been a revelation at the start of the year, and, and every single game I come away very impressed with the way he's playing. He fits the starting lineup so perfectly. He has, his perimeter defense is really good. And it's just about the other things now. I mean, now that he's done all this stuff, it's great, especially in these games. Like, when he's doing all this, you can live with, like, one or two pick and rolls where you just see what he's got. You know what I mean? Just see, like, once in a while, let, let's see the offensive game. Let's see what he's developing. And, and every game, he shows you something new. And uh, OG is, is really promising. And, again, the guy's only 22. There's a lot more improving to do. Surge, uh, you know, it's always funny to watch games like this when you see Surge um, go up against the Pistons because if you remember – Serge Ibaka under Dwayne Casey looked like a shell of himself. It looked like he was about to fall off a cliff. His contract looked terrible. He just didn't look useful. And a lot of that was him playing power forward and sort of how robotic he played, how stiff he played, how stubborn he was. Like, it just didn't look good. Serge was like a – just people didn't like watching Serge at all. There were times – I mean, I mean, yo, Kyle Korver picked him off at half court and took it in for a layup in a playoff game. Like, man, when you're getting picked off by, like – 86-year-old Kyle Korver, like, that's just not a good sign. But, like, the way Ibaka has sort of rejuvenated his career under Nick Nurse, that's one of the biggest pros in terms of if you want to go back to the Casey versus Nurse argument. Like, Ibaka is just night and day. I mean, it, it, it's not just all Nick Nurse. Obviously, Nick putting him at center really helped and has really sort of cut down sort of, uh, you know, keeping Surge as a perimeter guy that just shoots threes versus a guy who's much more engaged in the offense and sort of finishing a lot more possessions and setting a lot more screens, um, sort of being more active and working more in the bid range as Surge is. But also, like, you know, you got to credit Surge as well because um, after that 2018 sweep, Serge really took it upon himself to work with a personal trainer. He really reinvented all of his skills. He became so much. And it's not even just like he, he, like, I don't know, he didn't add things to his game. But he just, like, sort of filled in all the parts in between. Like, Serge used to be so robotic in his movements. And he still is kind of robotic. But now he's kind of fluid. He kind of gathers himself. He has great balance now as before compared to before where if he didn't catch the ball wide open, he wasn't really going to finish it. Now, like, Serge can get the ball, you know, uh, rolling to the paint, whatever, and he just steadies himself. He goes up. His shot is money. Like, he is really, really, really good at finishing around the basket. He's an incredible touch on the hook shot and things like this. And, uh, again, like, Serge just, you know, he reinvented himself. And, um, you know, 
him having him as a backup center when he get 19 points and six rebounds two assists two steals on nine of 15 shooting with a three and 32 minutes off the bench from your center that's incredible stuff man uh, i love the way serge is playing obviously defensively he's pretty good as well uh forcing drummond on a couple turnovers uh McCarr already talked about and then norman powell who, you know, on this podcast, I have not necessarily always said nice things about Norman Powell, especially in the last couple of weeks where, you know, to start the year, Norm hasn't really developed. And not that Norm hasn't developed, but he just hasn't really shown a lot. He looks really disjointed. And today I found, I, I found that, like, Norm finally found his rhythm within the offense. And I'm not saying it's going to be permanent. I, I really do think it's a game-by-game basis. Like, obviously, Norm has had plenty of time with the Raptors to sort of establish himself with the rhythm. It's not like he's a newcomer or anything, but... Um, it's just so much, it's night and day in terms of when Norm plays within the offense versus when Norm tries to force the offense. And it feels like we've been saying this for many years, but whatever, it might just be what it is with Norm. But I thought Norm started the game really slow, didn't really make a lot of great decisions, was sort of uh, forcing a couple things. But then Mark found him uh, cutting back door uh, with a sort of layup and um, you know high-low feed. And I felt like from that point on, Norm really got more comfortable. And in the second half and in the fourth quarter especially, Norm was just able to carry the offense and, and allow guys like Pascal to chill on the bench, Casal to chill on the bench, Fred to chill on the bench, OG to, you know, just, you know, take the just take a seat. And like Norm was excellent, you know. Norm was um really good in terms of scoring off the bench, nineteen points. Uh, didn't really do much else in terms of playmaking, zero assists, only one rebound. Um, but you know, that that is what it is with Norm. You know, he he fouled a couple three point shooters. It's not necessarily the most ideal situation, but nevertheless, if Norm can give you 19 points off the bench, sort of blow a game open, save your starters a bit of minutes, that's all you're really looking for with him. And again, it's just really about finding that rhythm. How can he be operating within the flow of the game, within the flow of the offense early in the game? Because the longer it takes to get that to establish, the um, the more Norm is going to be struggling. So I thought he found the rhythm tonight, and he played well. So overall, a really, really professional win by the Raptors who – uh, now improved to four and one uh, on the season. In terms of your three stars, number one, obviously Pascal Siakam, like I mentioned earlier, thirty points, five rebounds, five assists, two steals, plus twenty, thirteen of twenty-one from the field, three of six from deep, thirty minutes. Pascal, just take a bow again. Go watch these highlights. He was doing some incredible, incredible. It's a very pretty thirty points. Um, second star, giving that to Kyle Lowry, twenty points, eight assists, five rebounds, two steals in thirty-eight minutes, seven of thirteen shooting from the field, two of six from deep. You know, excellent stuff from Kyle. He's been such a such a revelation. And then third star, I've given it to Serge a couple times. I've given it to Fred a couple times. I've given it to OG a couple times. So I'm going to show Norm Powell some love. Norm Powell, you're the third star tonight. 19 points off the bench on 7 of 10 shooting in 29 minutes, 3 of 5 from deep. Uh, I like the way Norm was playing. And, you know, once he sort of gets a couple buckets within the flow of the offense, then he sort of can freestyle. Then he can sort of cross over Bruce Brown, go in the lane, finish the layup. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's just, yeah. You know, I, I I wish this was more consistent with Norm, but Norm had a good game tonight. In terms of the other side, your Gerald Henderson Award tonight, uh, that's got to go to Langston Galloway, who had 17 points in 26 minutes on just three shots, three made threes. Uh, but he really was honestly the bulk of Detroit's offense for the second half, which is really sad to say. Uh, he also got fouled a couple times by Norm, you know, which gave him uh, eight free throw attempts. But nevertheless, 17 points off the bench for uh, Langston Galloway, that's pretty good. But I mean, honestly, you look at this roster. It it is, whew, man. It's 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 tough. It's tough. Dwayne Casey getting paid really handsomely to uh to make the most out of what is you know basically the 2012 Raptors. Like this is just it's an ugly ugly team in terms of talent. But that does it for the podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, thanks everyone for watching on YouTube. And yeah, I'll be back 
actually, I don't know if I'll be back uh, on Saturday to recap the Bucks game because I will be predisposed. I will be at a bachelor party. Um, I'm going to do my best to see if I can sort of be in the right frame of mind for that podcast. But if not, I'll be back um, next week with a podcast, uh, sort of looking ahead to the week. And um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.